Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. Perhaps no major league club has seen as much activity this offseason as the Houston Astros. The club was sold to Jim Crane, moved to the American League West under the terms of the new collective bargaining agreement, and fired long-term GM Ed Wade. The person covering a lot of those stories has been Zachary Levine of the Houston Chronicle, who not coincidentally uh, is our guest on Fangraphs Audio today. In what follows, uh, Zachary and I discuss the Astros' search for a new GM, including uh, some recent candidates like Andrew Friedman and Thad Levine. We look to the Astros' minor leagues to see if there's any promise there. And Zachary attempts to at least give us a year in which the Astros might start to be competitive again. We also discuss that most mysterious of cities, Houston, uh, where to go, what to do, etc., etc., if you're the sort of person who is an L-O-V-E with the content we provide here on the podcast and you'd like to show it, do consider going to iTunes, giving us a five-star rating, and writing a, a glowing, if somewhat uh, fabricated, review of the podcast. Uh, that's it. That's it for me, though. Um, please do now stay tuned for my conversation with Zachary Levine of the Houston Chronicle right now on Fangraphs Audio. Right. No, that's it, not even known as the Houston of the North. No. No, I'm from Albany. I was in Philadelphia for four years, and then uh, I came to Houston in 2007. Started covering baseball at the Chronicle last year. It, was that just a, because it was an opening, or did you have a particular interest in uh, exploring that part of the country? Oh, I'd been uh, an intern here in 2005, and uh, and. When I graduated college, they, they hired me back in, in 2007. So it was, uh, it was an easy decision. It was a great offer and uh, a part of the country uh, that wasn't, it obviously wasn't where I figured I would ever end up, but uh, it's worked out really well. Yeah, I'll have to admit that I know almost nothing about Houston except what is available you know, via popular culture. But I don't understand necessarily what, like, you're at a building right now, I'd assume. You say you're at your office? Yeah, the Chronicle has a building downtown. We're about uh, eight blocks from Minute Maid Park. And uh, it's, it's definitely a, it's a pretty eye-opening city. I mean, coming from the Northeast, it's so different than the, the more compact uh, cities we have up there. There's some parts of it that, that really feel like suburbs, but are, are woven right into the city. And it's, uh, it's definitely different for me. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it definitely, it's always struck me as a city where one would need to have a car. But I'm curious, I also know that there's, uh, you know, that there's wealth and there are a lot of people with taste in that area. And so I sure. think, like, there are nice neighborhoods, is that right? Absolutely, yeah. And um, there are there are definitely nice neighborhoods within the city. Just because there's so much land, there's room for for wealthy people to to have houses with yards and gates and all that if they want. The land isn't at such a premium like it would be in, in New York or San Francisco or Philadelphia or something like that. Um, so there's, in addition to being the, 
the sort of sprawling suburban neighborhoods, there are there's definitely a, a concentration of of wealth within the the city the city limits. You go down, there's this street called River Oaks Boulevard, and it's uh, home to you could probably it would be like a, one of those Hollywood or Hamptons uh, sightseeing maps where you say this oil executive's house and this pro sports team owner's house and things like that. So it was, uh, it's, it's definitely, a, I try to go running there and I, I highly suggest if uh, anyone out there has kids in Houston that you maybe try to take your kids trick or treating there. Oh, you get the good stuff. They actually give a bullion, yeah. gold bullion. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Uh, but so is there a place for uh, a young person without lots of money, but who still wants to have nice food and maybe go to a restaurant or bar? Yeah. Where's that yeah, neighborhood? I mean, what's that called? Uh, down by Rice University. There's a lot of that. Um, and it's, it's not just a college student neighborhood, but uh, some of that. And then there's a, there's an emerging area just west of downtown that has has really, I mean, it's become the hot spot for clubs and bars. And and it's, um, it's, it's still pretty mixed. You stay with a very industrial street and... One by one, those old buildings are going away and, and being replaced by some of the, the top uh, night spots in the area. But but you still get a, a real sense of the old heritage of the street. So it's a, a fun part of town, and and that part of town's all fairly navigable. You still you still do much better with a car here, but um, but but some of it you, you can still get a little bit of a feel of a a bit of a denser city. Uh, first of all, I should say that we're talking with Zachary Levine of the Houston Chronicle. He writes a lot about the Astros. Second of all, um, Zachary, I should uh, compliment you for using the word navigable. That's uh, Is that a real word. Uh, yeah, it's oh entirely. Yeah, no, it's, it's oh good. That's okay. the sort of language that we. Like I don't to bat have. a thousand with real words, you know. I'm sometimes a little off. Sometimes. <laughs> no, in fact, well, even if you bat what 300, that's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but you are a wordsmith of sorts. I'm actually curious. I was uh, looking at the masthead, or in particular for the Ultimate Astros blog at the Chronicle website, yep. and I, I'm curious as to like how you, because you have uh, three colleagues who are also writing about baseball. I think in, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jerome, Sampson, uh, Richard Justice, and Scott Campbell. Yeah, uh, Jerome Solomon and uh, and Steve Campbell and, and Richard. Um, Jerome and uh, and Richard are our columnists. Uh, Richard will do a, a few of the sports stories. He went up to cover the meeting, the GM meetings when the the ownership transfers took place. But but Steve and I do most of the the regular news coverage, and uh, and Richard and Jerome are mostly our our opinion columnists. So it's a you got a pretty good mix of stuff there between. Uh, between news and opinion and some some fan blog kind of things and uh, and some photo galleries, so we try to keep it a pretty good mix of stuff. Now this off season has been uh, pretty busy for you, I'll assume. I guess going back to sure. yeah. uh, well, even you know before the new CBA. I mean the C- the CBA has brought a lot of things to um, to the surface because it was. Uh, because the um, the commissioner's office, the owners want, wanted Houston to move um, to the AL, and Jim Crane wanted uh, new owner, I should say, Jim Crane wanted a, a sort of kickback of sorts for that. So you've had a lot to cover, and then of course there's a the new GM situation, which is probably the most relevant thing now 
Um, what, where do we stand with that? I've seen that Thad Levine, uh, your quasi-namesake, has uh, withdrawn his name. Of course, he works uh, in the front office for the Rangers. Andrew Freeman yeah, is I would have called day. him my cousin when it was convenient. Yeah, but he, is he your cousin or not? No. Oh. Cousin but if from, I needed to, needed to use that relationship to get ahead, he would say. Yeah, well, in, in fact, uh, uh, I don't know, um, Fangraphs takes an annual pilgrimage to Arizona, and we were lucky enough to meet uh, Thad last year, and he's very sharp and good at... Oh, no, yeah, I've never been so lucky. What's that? I've never had, I've never gotten to meet him. He seems like a interesting guy, very accomplished executive, but... And a bang-up individual. I will, I'm prepared to call yeah. him a bang-up individual. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what? But what is the the sort of status of this right now? Are the Astros going to get a GM before the winter meetings? I don't think it will be before. I think because there's a, a chance that they conduct some of the interviewing before. But um, we've heard that David Gottfried, who was Ed Wade's top assistant GM in a, an organization where there were a few assistant GMs, um, he was. He was a contract guy as opposed to the uh, the farm director or the scouting director. But um, David Gaffrey is the assistant GM and uh, is now the interim GM, and he will not be considered for the for the permanent position. But he will be serving as the general manager at the winter meeting. And a lot of what the winter meetings will be about for the Astros is obviously finishing up this search, whether they have to do some of the interviewing in Dallas or whether they're. Uh, just calling people back to Houston for final round kind of interviews and things like that. But um, but they're definitely, I mean, they got such a late start on this process with the ownership limbo that they've been in for at least six months and finally getting it together when, when I mean, everybody else in baseball is prepared. They're already making moves. I mean, you've got Juan D. Rodriguez, who the Astros have looked to trade a couple times in the past, both before the non-waiver deadline and, and through a waiver claim, and there's a chance he moves this offseason as they try to maybe even take another splash out of payroll. Jim Crane has sort of uh, has uh, suggested to the fans the payroll would be going down before it goes up again. So uh, they have a, a hole to fill at shortstop if they don't plan on just uh, just plugging in a, one of their waiver claims or um, or or guys from, from within as as an everyday starter that they, they have they might have a position to fill there they might just try to get a low cost free agent and uh, definitely there there probably needs to be some some baseball business conducted as well yeah now um you're you're uh, i wouldn't i don't know if you would identify as a, like a sabermetric only guy but you certainly have sabermetric leanings is that right it is yeah i uh i mean i that's i'm a more a mathematical person than I ever was a writing person going into this job. I was a math major in college, and, and it sort of uh, shaped the way I, I see the game. I'm not a slave to it. I certainly recognize the importance of, and I mean, the, the stats versus scouts uh, debate, such as it is, I'm, I hope, has been, been debunked, and the word versus has, taken, has been taken out of it. But uh, I, I guess I'm... I'm much more statistically inclined than uh, than some, and and certainly try to use it in my writing and and use it to to uh, support what I say, not just come out there and, and shoot off statements. Right, and it and it uh, it appears as though at this point the Astros uh, 
in their GM search are looking towards more analytically minded GMs as well. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, the person they hired as team president, president and CEO, uh, George Pastolos is, is definitely of that mindset, very data driven kind of guy. And, uh, I expect we'll be looking for, uh, for a lot of, a lot of those tendencies in a general manager. It's an area where the Astros have never really been pioneering, but, uh, Definitely something that I could could see them trying to to compete in. Was was that was that frustrating ever uh, writing about the team for I guess what four years under Ed Wade and but also obviously needing to uh, maintain a professional relationship with the organization. Um, yeah, I mean it wasn't it wasn't so frustrating. I mean I didn't feel like like I couldn't have anything. And I don't even know how much of that was advanced statistics, things like the Brandon Lyon signing and the Pedro Feliz signing. I don't, I'm not sure how much you really, I mean, I guess the, the 21st century thinking puts a de-emphasis on, on relief pitching as a, um, a place to really go crazy spending money. But I think that some of the moves that, that cost them, that probably ultimately cost them his job, I, I don't think they were necessarily the result of a, an outdated uh, method of, of thinking, as much as they were just bad signings. I, I think that the old old school, new school, whatever you want to call it, I, I'm not sure there's a lot of people out there who uh, who, who saw any of them as, as great moves, no matter how you, you came about thinking about it. And it's left the Astros roster, especially after some uh, trade deadline deals that saw Michael Bourne go away, Hunter Pence go away, um, it's it's left the team pretty thin. I mean, I don't know even who you'd say is the best player on the team now. It, is it Jose Altuve? I mean, we were having a conversation the other day. I was talking with uh, one of the writers or the radio guys uh, the other day just about who's going to be the face of that team, and I had no idea. I guess Carlos Lee is still the most recognizable face, but, I mean... He had a, a much better 2011 than 2010, but but uh, if if he's your best player at, at his age, you're you're probably in trouble. JD Martinez, who was a rookie last year, I think has a bit of a a more complete skill set than Jose Altuve. Altuve is the kind of guy who will he just I mean, there's few other ways to say it than he has to hit 300 in order to be a productive player. I mean, if he hits 280, you're probably going to get so few walks with it and, and so little power that. I mean the the whole package doesn't doesn't really add up to much. But Martinez has a little bit better skill set, better patience, uh, certainly more power. Obviously, uh, the, his position in left field at Minute Maid Park doesn't give you a lot of uh, a lot of uh, defensive value, and and there really wouldn't be anywhere. But um, but he's the kind of guy. If I had to say who will be the the most productive player on, on the team next year. He, he might be my guess as far as offensive players are concerned. And then uh, Bud Norris uh, on the mound. Are, are there any minor leaguers that are particularly exciting to you? I know that the team acquired uh, Jonathan Singleton and I, uh, I believe uh, Jared Cozart from the Phillies and the Hunter Pence deal. They also have uh, uh, outfielder George Springer from University of Connecticut. I don't know if one of those guys or maybe another is uh, particularly exciting. Yeah. I mean, I think Singleton is the guy I'm, I'm excited to watch. Cosart, I've, I've never seen him pitch. I, I've seen Singleton play one game in the minors, and I mean, obviously has the body for it, and there's, there's not a whole lot I could tell from 
from just one game of watching him. Cozart I've never seen, but uh, I've heard the stuff is real good. It's, uh, it's definitely a matter of putting putting it all together, and uh, at his age, you just never know where that's going to go. Singleton uh, could bring power to this team that they, they've really lacked. I mean, the Astros, if you look at their team batting averages, it's right up there with the top teams, but they don't walk, and they, they don't hit home runs ahead. They've had a historically low home run totals the last couple of years for their franchise. I mean, it's uh, it's a team that's really, and especially with Hunter Pence going, giving you 25 every year, there's just there's not a bat that really fits in the middle of the lineup. And uh, I think Singleton, who could start back at high A, he didn't have a, a ton of time in the Astros high A, but, uh, but I mean, he's, he's played enough. That, that you could certainly make the case that he could start in Double A this year, um, and he's still uh, age. I don't know if he's turned twenty yet, if he's nineteen or twenty, but um, he's definitely the one guy. If I had to tell Astros fans to keep an eye on, he would be the guy. Um, any sense how realignment is going to affect the team, if at all? It's really, it's it's very. It's funny timing that the year they get out of Carlos Lee's six-year contract <laughs> is, the, is the first year that they can uh, can use the DH. But um, but yeah, they they got a seventy million dollar discount, which I would imagine was some sort of present valuing calculation on just the amount of extra money that teams tend to spend on DHs, or the difference between the average American League and National League salaries, or or some sort of um, metric that was cooked up that incorporates uh, all the late starting times that will be bad for their new TV network. So there are a ton of factors that went into it, to that discount that they got. Um, as for construction on the field, I think that Brad Mills has told me that they're going to go about this year. They're not going to play any differently this year, but they're certainly, as they evaluate people, going to... Uh, going to do so with the mindset that the following year they have a DH in the equation. I, I'm not sure that that there's anyone that you want to pencil in right now to designate a hitter. I mean, J.D. Martinez, especially with how small left field at Minute Maid Park is, plays a perfectly good left field. Um, so I'm not sure he would be a candidate. You you have uh, Singleton coming out the first base, but I don't think you ever look at someone who's especially at 19 or 20 years old coming up for the first time. You don't you don't take him out of the... the um, out of a field position like that. So there's a definitely a number of ways they could go. Or if 2013 is the year they start spending a little, I mean, DHs are always available. Guys at the end of their careers, they could, could certainly go that way until they have it figured out internally. So is, so is the point of the 2012 season basically just to figure out what they have? Yeah, but that was also the point of the 2011 season. <laughs> I don't really know where they've gotten. We wrote at the beginning of the 2011 season. I mean, they had all these guys who were rookies the year before, Jason Castro and Chris Johnson and Brett Wallace. And, uh, I mean, Castro was hurt and missed the whole year. Wallace and Johnson kind of, uh, Wallace had a great first month and then really regressed and was in the minors in, in August and then on the bench in September. Johnson uh, kind of was a, a product of uh, some, some good fortune that accompanied a low walk rate and a high strikeout rate in 2010. And probably, I don't know if uh, 2011 was as much a uh, any kind of uh, an erosion of his skills or anything as much as it was 
it was just things falling into place based on those kind of rates. But, um, yeah, that was, that was a big part of what 2011 was about. And I'm not sure they got a lot of definitive answers. So, so yeah, 2012, um, it's about, it's a lot about getting those guys in the farm that you mentioned on the right track. I think, uh, player development is an absolute key this year and, uh, and just trying to, to put together something at the major league level, um, with guys like uh, Altuve and and Martinez and and Jimmy Paredes at third base and, and seeing what you get out of this crop and and seeing if this one will will work out any better than the previous. All right, all right. Last last question. I'll let you get back inside. Uh, when uh, using the information you have available to you now, when would you guess that the Astros would be competitive again? 2015 or 2016. Would be my guess. Uh, probably not 25, maybe 2015. Um, I mean, that would get that crop of guys you said in the majors. I mean, Springer came out of a, a four-year college, big-time uh, top 25 kind of college program at UConn, and, and he should be on the fast track. It wouldn't surprise me if he never played low A ball, just started at high A Lancaster this year, although, though I haven't heard anything definitive on that. Um, it gets that crop to the majors. It, um, it, it gives them an opportunity to pay off some of the debt that the organization has and, and really maybe start raising their spending a little bit. Um, obviously they're going to have a number one pick next year. And if they go to college route, you could have a number one pick in the majors by 2015. So, I mean, we've heard from, from ownership even that, that they're, they're projecting uh, it, that it'll be a few years, that it'll be a three to five year kind of process, and and I think that anything you get before 2015 is a is a nice bonus. All right, Zach. Uh, well, well, thanks a lot for joining us uh, on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. Thank you for having me. I, I absolutely love the site. I'm on it uh, as much as I can be. So you guys do a great job. Cool. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot, and you're uh, you're a uh, an ally of ours too, out in one of the the bigger uh, the country's bigger dailies of course um cool well that's zach levine uh, i'm carson sestouli and this has been another edition of fangraphs audio